Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another week of the Live Life Aggressively podcast. This is Sincere Hogan. And on the other line, got my buddy Mike Mahler. What's going on, my man? How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm super excited about our guest today. As always, we were just talking to her for a few minutes before we started recording. Super cool lady. Very interesting. A lot of common interest, actually. So we exactly. have all kinds of things we can talk about. Training, nutrition, music. It's going to be cool. Yeah, so I got my some buddies. Things to talk about. I got some buddies that are going to be geeking out on this. So I'm I'm officially turning off fanboy mode here, and I'm just going to be the podcast host. <laughs> so let's just do a quick promo about our course. Let make let people know what the status is on that, and then we'll get right to start it. talking to our guest. Absolutely. Yep. Okay, folks. Remember, we have the ultimate course coming up in September. The Live Life Aggressively Summit, September 2021. Same weekend as Mr. Olympia here in Vegas. It's going to be Sincere Hogan, Kim Blackburn, Steve Cotter, and myself. Kettlebells, bodyweight training, program design. Eight hours each day. And we're going to make this a real ex- Las Vegas experience. I want everyone staying in a super nice hotel that I'm going to be getting a group discount on. We're going to have shuttles running people to the venue, running you to the strip. We're looking at extracurricular activities, dinners, different clubs. Possibly. We're just going to create a real Las Vegas experience. It's not going to be something where you come out and you train with the coaches and then everyone leaves. You don't get a chance to talk to any of the instructors. Everyone goes back to the Econo Lodge and they're watching reruns of TJ Hooker all night. All right. That's not going to be the experience. We want a real fun event here. And right now you can get into the course for $799.95. That's our special to you, the podcast listeners. 32 of you have already taken advantage of that. We only have eight spots left. Now, assuming we don't sell out the course by the end of April, we're going to go into May and increase the price to $1,199.95. So if you sign up right now, you get in $400, get with a $400 discount, and you also ensure that you're actually going to get into the course because we only have eight spots left. And remember, we haven't promoted this course on any of our social media any of our websites, we've only talked about it to you guys, the podcast listeners. And we have people coming in from Australia, UK, Saudi Arabia, all over the US. We're definitely going to get those eight spots before the end of the month. If we don't, I don't mind because I want to increase the price so that we can make more off the rest of the students. <laughs> we only have eight spots left. So that's exactly. no hurry to get that thing sold out by September. So, yeah. So all you have to do is just email Mike or myself. So Mike at LLAPodcast.com or Sincere at LLAPodcast.com. Say, hey, man, send me the link. I'm ready to sign up and get into the course before everyone else. And we'll send you that link and get you in there. It's just that simple. It's just that simple. So make sure you take charge of that today. (laughs) And without further ado, let's get into our guest. Sincere, I know you're a super fan of this lady. So let's 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 have you jump on let's have you get this whole process well, first going. of all first of all i want to say welcome to our guest amy dumas better known as lita formerly of the wwe retired and also recent hall of famer how you doing hey i was it was fun. <laughs> we were having fun before we went online and then i had to like sit out and while you guys were pros i'm ready to, to jump back in with you guys <laughs> well first of all um happy belated birthday to you first of all yeah, happy Thank birthday. You. Just uh, yeah, just celebrated your birthday. And you've had a pretty kick ass month, as a matter of fact. You got a birthday, got inducted into the Hall of Fame. It's a pretty awesome uh, month going for you right there, lady. Man, it was crazy. <laughs> My life is is fairly like it's as, as chill as I would kind of like it to be. And then mm-hmm. I went thrust into to kind of prepping for that and doing a bunch of other like podcasts and media and being being Lita as opposed to just being Amy. And I was right. like, whoa, like this is 
a little bit crazy, but I'll say I, I had a, a really great time all the way from when the office called me and told me they wanted to in, induct me this year up mm-hmm. until, you know, all through the weekend and everything. It, it was super, super fun. Tell us how you, you got interested in professional wrestling in the first place. Let's see. Like, I need a, a, a Cliff Notes version. Exactly. I'm sitting there uh, thinking, uh, like, how can you sum <laughs> this up, you know, within the, the confines of our show? Because I know it's a lot. Yeah, let me. Yeah. So my, <laughs> my summing up version is um, I played in bands and I studied martial arts before. Mm-hmm. And I was never into wrestling. I didn't grow up with wrestling. Um my boyfriend at the time was soup. That was like their dude thing they would do is watch wrestling. Of course, you know, I'd poke my head in there and, and ask a question or say something. And then next thing, you know, I'm like sucked in watching it, but I started watching it from a, a fan person, like from a, I'm sorry, from like a professional standpoint, I was like, man, it's like being a, a rock star and an athlete, but in one job. Right. And, uh, so I, I, my, my friend, my boyfriend's band went on tour for six weeks and I said that, well, if the, yeah, I'm not going to sit at home, if you're going on tour for six weeks, I'm going to go down to Mexico and I'm going to figure out how to do this. Mm-hmm. So I just jumped a plane down there, hit the streets, asked where the Lucha Libre was, uh, wouldn't go away until they finally let me train, trained. And then just, you know, kind of if, if I could, go to any indie show or get, get to any training school that I thought I might learn something, might get something on tape, might get to my next little baby step to, to becoming an actually, you know, professional wrestler, I, I would do it. And so I did that. And, um, WWE finally saw a video that, that they saw promise in and signed me. And then, you know, it's kind of off to the races from there. Now you got to say you went right to the hardcore place to get started. Yeah, I mean, no going doubt. to Mexico, you know, with the lucha libres, that's that's hardcore right there. People, I don't think anyone's ever sat there on a Saturday or a Sunday and watched <laughs> lucha libre on Telemundo or Univision and realized, like, first of all, it seems like those matches last forever, and pretty much you you see people coming out of the crowd, you see the fans jumping in there and they're fighting with the wrestlers. So that's how hardcore it is down there, man. And one thing. Well, about- and there's no barricades. So no, like they're, they're doing all. dives and they're just landing on you. Oh. I love it. Like, in the third world, like, well, in anywhere but the United States, people don't sue people for, no, like, right, something that's right. their own fault in the first place, like yeah. tripping on the sidewalk crack and then suing the city. It's like, pick your foot up, you <laughs> know? So, exactly. So, yeah, like, then you're sitting in the front row. It's like, well, you're in the front row at a wrestling show. A wrestler's going to land on you. That's the way it goes. <laughs> exactly. so, yeah, a little uh, and popcorn and the wrestlers' faces and everything. Cause they can I tell the you, <laughs> I had a friend who was, who was a fan, and I was like, I'm going to get you the best souvenir in, that's in, in existence. And so there was a, a match. It was the, the main event, and um, the wrestler was totally like just bloody, just a whole face bleeding, and people are throwing uh, money into the ring for tips, you know? So they're just like throwing or the little kids are bringing up pesos and stuff. And so I brought money for a tip and a, the flyer from the night. And I asked the guy to rub his face on the flyer. And I, so I sent my friend a bloody fly. I was like, dude, I just went to the coolest thing ever. And the next best thing to being there is the coolest souvenir that I could have given you. So. It's a bloody flyer. I'm not trying to use a British accent when I say this either. <laughs> right. Oh man. Now, now, Amy, were you following a plant-based diet when you were in the WWE? I was up until I started until probably I got on the road. And then mm-hmm. at that point, let's see. So that was 99. 99, yeah. Yeah, and it was just, it was, I didn't feel educated enough and right. to to be able to be making healthy choices. So I 
uh, reluctantly started eating meat because I felt like my choice at Wendy's at, you know, midnight was French fries (laughs) at the time, you know, or whatever. And so um, (laughs) uh, from age 14 to 24, I I was. And then um, then after I retired, I just about 80 percent went back to being vegetarian without even thinking about it. And I was like, well, wait a minute, like that's what, where you were before. And that's where I naturally gravitate to, or I'm more comfortable with went back to that. But then of course, like just education is so much easier and and you can Google, you know, like where the closest vegan restaurant is. And it's just so much easier to, to be like healthy and plant-based and still strong and, and everything. Yeah, I, with one of the current superstars of WWE, um, Brian Danielson, aka Daniel Bryan, he was also for a while he was straight vegan. I think like in two thousand nine. But then, just like you said, he's it was very hard for him to make the right choices while he was on the road. Which now it's two thousand. It's ten years later from when you started. It's a little easier now. But he says that you yeah, know, he had a real no, di- he, difficult he, time. So now he's going back to being pretty much vegetarian now. So I, it's really hard to take that excuse to heart now. Like, like you said, it's just so much information out there. It's not that hard. I mean, dude, you got Nah, he, he eats meat. So it's, <laughs> okay. it's, it's, I'm out again. Right? Boom. <laughs> okay. Busted. Okay. Now, a, lot, a lot of people try it because they, it's, it sounds like something trendy to do, right? Like, right. oh, this whole vegan thing sounds interesting. And then they'll try it for a week oh. or two and then – and that's it. Right. He, he, he said he had a thing is, I'm not outing him as a jerk. I'm just saying like, cause especially like, so you go and you're, he was vegan and you go and you do an interview and then that interview is out and circulating around. Right. And then you Google is Brian Daniels, you know, right, vegan right. and the interview and it's going to come up. So, so right. I'm not saying he was when he said he was, but he, he's not, you know? So, right. um, but but yeah no it's, it's, and it, and it can be tough on the, the European tours that we do because you have no. the meals, um, they cater for you and oh. it just, it's like, it's, it's fine. And you can, you can make do, but now for me, the way I travel, because it is so easy now for the most part and easy to be prepared, you know, you can just go in prepared. And then, so I'll have like a day here or there that I just consider inconvenient, but it's like, whatever, it's only today because this, I'm in this weird town that I don't know anything. <laughs> I'll right. have like this dried trail mix and it's whatever, like just get through it. It's fine. You know? And then, it's but it's not anything that I would break uh, my beliefs for. I think any major city in the U.S. it's pretty easy now, and right. but it, it, you get into rural America, it can be difficult. And I travel a lot too for my line of work, and some of the countries I've been to, it can be somewhat difficult. There's always ways to make it work, but it can be a little bit more challenging. So, like you said, you want to be prepared. Now, is this something that how did well, how did you get into the whole vegetarian thing to start with? Was it part of the, the punk rock music you were listening yeah. to? Yeah, that's right. Because that's how it was for me as well. So I'm, I'm curious to hear that story. Yeah, I mean, that was just I was I mean, the main band, I would say, and it's just like, oh, thank God this was the main band because it turned me into like a good human as opposed to like potentially many other bands that I could have deemed my my parents. Oh, right. Church, my advisors, <laughs> everything in life. Um, but it was seven seconds and they just kind of preach okay, a, a positive life and just, but really, it, cause I was never like, there's all these offsets of punk, you know, and they're like vegan punks and straight edge punks and, or, you know, straight edge right. hardcore. And I was just kind of always like, uh, I'm just me. You know, like, so I don't want to put holes on anything. And I mean, it's the same. It goes into fitness. I'm like, I'm not RKC or I'm not strong first. I'm not this. I'm like, I want to lift heavy shit and be strong. That's what I am, you know? So, (laughs) um, 
But so anyways, you know, but that the seven seconds kind of their message overall was like that, you know, and it was just like, be positive. Don't be a jerk. You can change things, figure out ways to do it. And so I was just, you know, I just, and, and, and my main reason for, for vegetarianism then and now is I, I don't want anyone to do my dirty work for me. If I couldn't do it myself, why do I want, you know, like I, I couldn't, you know, like grab a chicken and break its neck and pluck it and, and eat it. So why right. should I? have the luxury right. if that's what I would deem a luxury, you know, to, right. to have somebody else do that for me. Right. Yeah. I think a lot of people would feel the same way, honestly, if they had to do that. A lot of, a lot of, it's, yeah, it's, it's easy, of, it's easy, it's easy to compartmentalize that when you go to the grocery store and you buy an end product without thinking of the whole process that got it there. People start having these food wars and diet wars and, you know, I choose this, I choose that. I always tell them, especially when people kind of go like, okay, well, we need meat. I'm like, have you ever gone out and killed your own food? As I, I'm thinking like anyone that's sister and professes that you should you should do that once and then just see how you actually feel about that. See how you feel about that after that. And then if, if anything comes down to it, you'll be a lot less greedy and not just waste so much food. So many people waste so much food because they are so detached from the whole process. And it just, Absolutely. And I have it just, such an attachment even to my to my vegetables. Like I'm going out of town in two days and I'm like, oh, my God, I've got I've got to make so many things. And I'm like, magic bullet time. It's like I got to make, make a shake. I got to blend this up before it goes bad. <laughs> right. That, yeah, that's what I tell people. I'm like, they're like, well, but then my veggies. Go bad. I'm like throw it in the juicer, throw throw it, throw it in your Vitamix, you know. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, I get it. I get like a. I feel like it's a. It's probably a little past healthy, and I mean mentally healthy. But like I'm like no no, my vegetables they can't spoil. Like I I must consume them, or I'm like calling my friends. I'm like, can you please come over? I've got two bushels of kale and some Swiss chard in the refrigerator. Like it, it's gonna go bad before I get back. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not about the six bucks that it costs to buy those three things. It's about like the, the time and the energy and the resources that went into producing those things. And I don't want to just throw it back in the trash. It's, it's just, it's irresponsible. Yeah. I don't like seeing waste either. I see that at, at a lot of the Las Vegas buffets oh, where yeah. people go in and uh, there's a lot of Las Vegas. Oh, God. Yeah, 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 exactly. They stack the seafood all the way to the ceiling. I'm like, who are you feeding? I mean, I see two people at the table, but I see a, <laughs> I see a table full of crawfish. I'm like, who else is coming right now? What the hell? I don't, I don't like seeing gluttonous behavior, right? People just stuffing their faces and all that. It's very distasteful. So, I, I mean, I never go to Las Vegas buffets to eat because, one, I don't think it's, it's not good value for me because I'm not going to blow through that much food, number one. And number two, I just don't like seeing that. But the number three is the amount of wasted food in places like that has got to be immense. You yeah, I always wonder. I always wonder. You could probably feed Somalia completely with all the food. There, have you <laughs> from, seen that movie Dive, that documentary Dive? Uh-uh. No. It's about a family. They're kind of like a hipster family, and um, they meet, but they their thing their their documentary is is on wastefulness, and so they go to do grocery dumpsters. stores, dumpsters. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah. Okay. they feed themselves <laughs> off of, of just food yeah. that's been being thrown out, um, and it's amazing. Just and, and you know, and trying trying to go, hey, can we bring this to a shelter? To you know, and and just like the the lack of of effort, being like, nope, it's easier for us to throw it in the trash. Than drive it three miles. Uh, there's also liability issues, unfortunately, with that. Yeah, you know, For such again, a contentious society like you were talking about. If if they if they give the food away and then the homeless guy gets sick, he can sue, and that's happened right. before. So unfortunately, but he can't now because Bill Clinton passed an act, and so anything that's from a shelter or anything that's donated, and you cannot, um, you oh, can't okay, sue. Okay. So so if they take so, it to a shelter, but if yes. the homeless guy comes to, let's say, Little Caesars at closing time, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
even there it's protected. They're protected if they just give it away to him or they have to take it to a shelter and then he gets it there. Yeah, I, I'm not up on, on the specifics about that, yeah, but I do know if something's donated or it's through a shelter or a nonprofit that you can't be sued, which is a huge, that's like a huge bill that probably goes unnoticed, you know, but that's right. that's a big thing that can contribute to helping to not yeah. be like, so wasteful. And I mean, just it's yeah. so much worse with meat of like how many resources was, was taken to have to create that meat and then it going back into the landfill and then creating not, you know, gases and it's, it's so wasteful. It's horrible. Yeah, I came up through it in a similar experience. The Cro-Mags and Bad Brains were very influential on my philosophy at the time. Really got me into vegetarianism, and then I actually went on to get a degree in religious studies, studies to a large extent from a lot of the music that I was influenced by at the time. So it's a, it's it's interesting how that time period really influenced a lot of us because I've heard many people say the same thing. Yeah, one of my best friends sure, that was, was the like same the, thing. Same thing. It was the yeah, same influence from Bad Brains. You know, mm-hmm. he's been like a vegan the, since. <laughs> yeah, with the Hare Krishna and Rastafari, like mm-hmm. r- religious influences within punk rock subcultures and stuff. It just it brought it a lot awareness, a lot of awareness to a big group of kids that that wouldn't. I mean, I feel like that's generally gen generationally like the hardcore kids now. I feel like the hardcore kids now eat at Chick Fil A. I'm like, dude, it's like homophobic <laughs> yeah. Christian on, meat that you're yeah, eating. Yeah, that's like, hardcore in a different way, right? There's like that's really yeah. extreme when you're eating it. <laughs> Yeah, peanut oil, right? hating face the food. It's just like, well, I'm like, what? You're, okay, if punk rock and hardcore, like you're supposed to be a, <laughs> like a counterculture, like what are you the counterculture to? Like to what? Like, you know, like you just listen to different music than other Christian homophobes? Like, that's, <laughs> uh, it's, 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 uh, yeah, I feel like that some of that message was lost as, as punk rock and hardcore kind of spread out over the generations. Yeah, I think now it's more C, C and B seen. Yeah, right? like you want to have a certain a image. Statement, yeah. yeah, look exactly. at me. I'm, I'm punk. I'm punk rock. Look at me. It's like, well, that right there goes show you're not punk rock. You're asking people to look at you. <laughs> you know, you're, you're caring about what they think if they even care about looking at you or whatever. So that already goes against everything right there. So yeah, it's just it's, it's just another thing that's been commercialized. But you also have the big stores and all that that have like tapped into that as well. So you see a lot of uh, a lot of those groups from during that era. And now you see their t-shirts popping up in like Target. And, and pack sun and all <laughs> these true. which is totally not punk rock okay no <laughs> no for sure t-shirt at target <laughs> <laughs> yeah like, you, know, um, you know and um and what's the other store i'm not torrid but they're 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 torrid little brother of the other hot, store hot, hot topic hot topic yeah so same. You know, you're acting like, what is that store? No, I'm, I'm, a, no, I'm, uh, I'm the guy with the 15 year old daughter, and I'm the one that's like, why are you going into that store buying that shirt? Do you even know who that band is? <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, yeah, like, uh, I mean, H- H2O has a quote, one of those, it's a fashion, like, like ironically talking, fashion before passion, you know, and it's like just how things have changed now yeah. before, before, because it wasn't cool to be a punk rocker. So you weren't going to go out of your way to attach to that culture unless you felt that's where you belong. Belonged, you yeah, know, yeah. and you had jocks at high school trying to kick your butt every day. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when I was in high school with my dreadlocks and my, I did, I wasn't so much a punk rocker, but I was really into that New York City hardcore scene, and then bands like Bad Brains, DC hardcore scene too. I mean, you got a lot of flack for that back then, just walking around, living your life. You got a lot of flack. Oh, absolutely. And then also, too, because everything I feel like wasn't so neatly defined into subcultures as, as it is now, because there's. I really feel like because of social media or not social media, but just like media and internet and everything in general, you can kind of put yourself into a smaller box. But it was always, I mean, when I was in high school, it was just like the freaks, which meant even right. like, even as far as like the thespians and the pot smokers <laughs> exactly. and the hippies. <laughs> 
the freak and the, the hardcore dude and the punk rockers and the, like we were all over here and then like the jocks and cheerleaders the normal kids were like over there <laughs> right. so it was just like any subculture like like was us against them you know but now it's so like oh well the emo kids don't like the punk kids and the hardcore kids don't like that you know it's, <laughs> which is funny dude, like we're, we're the you know be the minority together so whatever <laughs> right. or don't or just be your own person and that's kind of how yeah, i live exactly but i think that i think that was a really important time period in my life because it, it it when you're a teenager most people just go with the flow because they don't want to be they don't want to deal with any flack from the herd so that's what well, most sure and i mean think about when you're when you're a teenager and you just want to back and, and develop and go like i'm right. not actually how I feel. So let me, let me see what my choices are. But right. when you go and take a stand, you know, you know, it definitely, it says something about who you are. I think, I think it made it easier for me as I got older to keep carving my own path and not just fall into group pressure. So when you, when you can do it as a young person, it's, it's very difficult because you don't really know who you are yet. you you don't have that confidence yet, but then it's when you, when you develop it then, and it starts evolving over time, I think it made it a lot easier for me to get into industries that other people never would have got into. Like when I started right. teaching kettlebells, nobody was teaching. No, no one thought you could make a living teaching kettlebells. This is 2002. And people were just gravitating towards safe jobs. If you got into fitness, they would just go to a gym and start training. It wasn't like it is now where people are leveraging the internet so much to do a lot of different things. But I well, never had that fear-based mindset of worrying about stuff like that. I didn't care what people thought or whether people thought I could make it work. Sure. I mean, that's how I felt like how I became a professional wrestler because I was a punk rocker and my favorite bands, like the equivalent of maybe like some cheerleader being like, uh, like Michael Jackson is my favorite band or who, whoever was like, <laughs> yeah. like Paul like, Abdul. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Like let's find the so right Debbie, job, Debbie, like generation, Gibson, you know, Tiffany. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Like, okay. So, so my Paula Abdul was seven seconds and seven seconds. <laughs> play like they were they just got into a van and they're like all right thank you good night hold on we'll be at the merch booth in two minutes after i drink right, a glass of right, water right. Yeah, my merch booth and so there was no divide between somebody being a celebrity or somebody being better than me or, or right. able to achieve something that i couldn't achieve so i mean that was like okay six months sitting in a garage practicing guitar like that's that was all that was gonna take so i mean it just always made like I can do like I can do whatever I want to do. These people do, and these people are like the coolest possible people in my world. Right. So, I mean that that I think was played a big part in my success. No, you're right. When I when I went to go to Chromax shows in 1988, 89, I mean you were hanging out with the band before they went on. Whoever opened up for them, the Chromax, the Chrome, Harley and John, they would be in the audience just hanging out with everybody. They would be they were totally accessible, which was way different than seeing Metallica or. Iron Maiden or Ozzy Osbourne, not that any of those are bad guys. It was just going to a stadium. That's a much different experience right. than going to a small club, which is way more intimate. Once I started going to club shows, I never went back to stadium shows because it was such a better experience. And then that that accessibility, I always thought was really cool. And John Joseph made a point of saying that. He said he wanted it to be where whether you're on stage or in the audience, you're all part of the same medium. And that was a oh. really interesting philosophy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, the, and that kind of find punk rock it was like we're we i happen to be getting in a van and drove here but we are all in this together you know and, and 
but it was like we as individuals though too you know are all, all on this is together and that mentality i mean it's sure yes that mentality helped define me but if you attach to that mentality too that says something about who you are just biologically regardless of your soul culture that you're in and leads you to be more of a a leader than a sheep yeah, yeah. I mean, you can see a lot of that even when you were wrestling in the WWE. Same thing. You would come out, you win your matches, you go right out to the crowd, you're hanging out with the fans. You, you wouldn't afraid to like pick up a kid or, and say hello or anything like that. You see a lot of wrestlers, they just finish their match and they'll leave. They go back up the ramp and go back to the back again amongst their peers. But then you had some who were just, especially back then during the Attitude Era, you know, mm-hmm. right around, that was like, to me, that was the greatest era in wrestling. After that, it just seems like, okay, what's the point of watching now? Oh, <laughs> I mean, a, yeah, that, that um, was the greatest era in because wrestling. Because it was such a, it was a punk rock attitude era at the same time. It's just like, it was a big F you to the boss and all that. So it's like they really played off of that. It was, the timing was perfect. And honestly, there's just no way they can ever recreate that, which is good. They shouldn't ever try to recreate that. But at the same time, it was like, it was the peak. It's like, how are you going to top this era right here? I mean, just how are you going to beat that? At this point. Well, I mean, and that's like said, like you can't recreate that, and oh, especially and, and for those the, that were those of us that recreate. were there, you better not try to recreate that. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, it's like, and because it happened, it happened organically mm-hmm. because of the mm-hmm. Monday Night Wars, right. and like I, both sides, both WCW and WWF at the time, were like, we need to be the better participant you know and so they're like all right guys like like punk rock come on we're in this together what do we do to make this show better like give it to me like give us your ideas and the bosses on both sides would be like all right uh i don't know if that'll work give it a try you know and so we'd go out there and it it would you would fail sometimes and you would you would succeed sometimes but when you succeeded it was like a special moment happened and we were given that opportunity to have that special moment as opposed to now i just feel like things are controlled a lot more so so they're like no 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 that's not how we do you know And, and, and at the same time they're like nope we have this formula we do we have our sponsors we know how to get these ratings and this is what we're gonna get which right. is not a bad formula either. It's kind of like it's it's now an Ozzy Osbourne concert as opposed to some second show. <laughs> yeah, it's you know? very, yeah, it's right. very safe now. But, you know, I've talked to Mike about this before. You've got so many people with, like, different aspirations now. You know, you had Linda McMahon who was trying to run for Congress at one time. So, of course, they kind of had to clean some things up in order to, you know, make that more viable for her to do something like that. But on the flip side of that, when we talk about how organic it was back then, you got to talk about one organization who pretty much led the charge. Though, and that was like ECW. I mean, that entire their entire reign before it got bought up by the WWE, that entire reign of ECW before that, when they were independent, that was a true that was a punk rock phase right there. Because oh, it, it was lawless. It was, I mean, because Heyman just said, "Do it, just do it. Let's just do it." They were doing some of the most outlandish stuff out there. You're like, wow. Did, you spent almost every episode saying, did that just happen? Did Tommy Dreamer just really jump off the second, like, you know, the second tier and down into the crowd and do a somersault? Did that just happen? So you, you had this extreme. Like, it, it, let, it, it lived up to the name. It lived up to the name. Yeah, when I remember when I was there and we, we I'd see them pull the, like, the gurney and the, the like, up, like, right next to gorilla position, right? Before the, the mm-hmm. position that you'd go out right before you'd wrestle your matches. And it, it, you know, of course, I was new at the time. I was there right before for the six months, about right before I signed with WWE. And I, I would look at that thing. You know, some people they have their ritual, like they'll they'll pray or they do whatever. Right. I would look at that thing right right before the show would start. I'd say, I really hope no one has to go out on that. Like that was, you know, right, it was, right. chances are they will. And every night when I would leave, I would look at that thing again, hopefully because it wasn't wheeled out with a person, and be like. 
cool. I'm glad that nobody, none of my friends got wheeled out on that tonight. And that was always my like ritual that I would do with ECW. Right. I mean, sometimes you think like, dude, there's just no way when they just get ready to set up for a movie, like there's no way he's going to do that. And then you're thinking like, oh God, but it was, it was kind of a Roman gladiator type situation because you know, as a people, we're so bloodthirsty. You, you see that stuff, and it was a lot of oh shit moments. And then that's what you would hear after it would happen. You'd hear the crowd actually say that the entire time. You're like, dude, I can't mm-hmm. it's like, I can't believe he's getting ready to do that, but I hope he does it. And in, in, in their mind, thinking like, okay, he could actually die from this. But dude, right. it, it would then, be awesome yeah. if he actually lives through it. But then when someone actually gets hurt, like you have a situation like an Owen Hart, then all of a sudden for about five minutes, everybody's like, Okay, that was unnecessary. That didn't have to happen until the next until the next night. Then all of a sudden, with that right? But if it had gone the other okay, way, exactly, like oh shit, yeah, and loved it and talking about it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And speaking of that, that's another thing I want to talk about. So many. I mean, the trend for years has been so many of these professional wrestlers, even after they retired, dying at such a young age. Hell, case in point, you just had the Hall of Fame inductees happening just a couple of weeks ago. You had the Ultimate Warrior, and he comes out. I mean, he gets inducted to the Hall of Fame. Then the next night is WrestleMania. Then the next night he comes out on Raw. And then it's and, and I actually just watched that episode of Raw last night one more time. And it was almost like you it was like foreshadowing. You could kind of just see that something was off when he came oh, out. Yeah. When he came out, you could see him the way he was sweating, the way he was shaking. It's like you kind of knew, but it was almost like he needed that closure for some reason. It's all, and it's almost like when he was talking, he was pretty much saying, like, okay, I'm done. That's all I need. Now I'm good. And then the next day, he dies of a massive heart attack. Dude was only 54 years old. And you have so many of these other wrestlers dying in their 40s and their 30s and dying from heart attacks. You had, like, Test and all these guys dying at such a you know, young age. I know you worked a lot with Test when you were first coming up as well. And it's just crazy. It's like, like, what has, I mean, I don't know how to put it, but what has, like, helped you get through all those years, man, and just not leave it sooner when all people are just like dying left and right because they work so hard being on the road almost 300 days a year. And, you know, how did you just pretty much stay healthy other than the injuries that come along with the job? But how did you stay mentally healthy throughout all that when you just have people just dying left and right? It can shake you up. You're like, ah, you know what? Maybe I'm, I'm done with this, (laughs) you know, for for sure. Well, ironically speaking, um, is okay. So when I, you know, was, was growing up and in middle school and high school Mm -hmm. and, going to shows. I mean, and that was, like I said, that was everything to me was going to shows. It was my parents, my religion, my counseling, my everything was going to these punk rock shows. And, um, any band that came through, I wanted to be there. It was like, you know, I prided myself on being at every single show, but my parents, they wouldn't let me go to, if I ever came, you know, were to got taken home by the cops or ever shown up with a black eye or anything like that, you know, I would have not been allowed to go. And so for me to be able to go, I was always like, I always hung out with the bad kids, but mm. I was never a bad kid. So when there'd be these big <laughs> skinhead versus the punkers fights, I would be like, yep, time to go. You know, and <laughs> like, I, I would have like, as soon as I just saw a brew and I was out. And so, because I was like, I can't, I can't be coming home with a black guy. I can't, I just, it can't happen. So, the, so that being said, I just feel like, and that's not to say like, t- like test is the bad kid or anything because Andrew was, a, you know, a friend of mine and, and definitely had like great times with him. But any of these guys that tended towards more wild ways, mm-hmm. I would sit and I'd watch and I'd laugh at their jokes and I would watch it go down, right. you know, but I just kind of always 
stayed away because at that time my punk rock was was my job was my wrestling and i was like nope this means too much to me to mm. be led down a path that i don't want to go on you know and and um you know, the, I, I want to be able to perform every day and I want to feel good and I want to do as, as much as I can. That's under my control. Things like landing on my head or or yeah. whatever, like my knee when I tore it, like those things. Yes, they're in my control because I could have just not jumped off the side of the ring apron. But like <laughs> um, but things that I can control, like I can choose to not take a pill. I can choose to not, you know, take steroids. I can choose to not. Um, do these things that potentially can can put my body into a situation that that I, I don't want to be in. So, um, yeah, it's just kind of something that's it's just never appealed to me. And I, I've talked to friends, I've talked with friends over the years in punk rock, in wrestling, everything that have had problems with either addiction or or just just things that that are not good for them. And I I just don't have that thing. Right. Like that thing that, that just sucks. It's real. It's, it's a real thing that people have, like when they struggle with addiction or when they right. struggle with uh, um, that I can validate that is a real thing. But I don't it just doesn't appeal to me when they're like, you you just you don't know what it feels like to, you know, like and, and I've right. actually talked with DDP. Who, who's I was really, just about to bring it up. I was like, look what he's yeah. done with Jake the Snake Roberts and for Scott Hall, who both were just inducted the same weekend that you were inducted. And look at the right, turnaround that said, DDP's done for those guys, man. But DDP is, has struggled mm -hmm. with both, you know, with trying to identify with both Scott and Jake, who are friends of his, mm -hmm. who he wants to help have go into a good direction. But he's also never had a problem with addiction and never right. had that so he's like he just there's things that you just like your your brain like my brain just works a different way than like an addict does right, you right, know and, and right. so it's there's there is a bit of a detach where you kind of just can't relate to that part and i you know when i first heard about andrew the main test rather i was like you know okay well right now he he feels nothing because he's no longer with us but i was like you know what hurts me the most is thinking about how troubled and sad and like all these negative awful feelings mm -hmm. how, how much he felt before before he passed away right. you know and i was like i hate that for him um you know and that's a different incidence in instance mm -hmm. as far as you know, different from from warrior or different right. from who uh was up brushing his teeth that morning before he passed away you know it wasn't right. like a specific drug like exact actually related incident, but you know, with wrestlers dying young, there's been all facets. So it's, it's, you can't really blanket statement, like what attributes to, to right. this, that, or it's, a, they're really all individual cases, but you know, it's like facts are facts. Yes. There, there have been a lot of people from my business that have died early, but they all still are really individual circumstances. So there's nothing that you can say if this changed, right, this exactly. These deaths because it's they're all individual life paths. Exactly. I mean, you got everything from like Eddie Guerrero to Crispin Watt. Everything is always different. But, you know, the media just wants to paint it like wrestling is killing these guys. They're killing these women like they're making they're they're adults. Let's just remember that, first of all. And for those who are not going for natural causes like Warrior did, you know, most people, they're choosing. OK, they're choosing the things that they do that may contribute to these certain things. And again, sure. I think Vince what happens there, me in, in his office and, and given me, you know, Vince has never given me any pills or shot my me in the ass. So, you know what I mean? It's <laughs> right. like that's not. So, yeah, it's like ultimately you're you're an adult. But it, it does not mean I don't have sympathy for these people. And, and they're the really worse, like their families, which, right. you know, that are left. Um, but 
but it still is like you just have to just in life and everything to take responsibility for yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, with people with addiction, I mean, we're all we're all dopamine chasing creatures, right? We all want that reward system, so we're we're programmed to be addicted. But I think people that have real addiction issues, that's just a real heightened. Their brains are just in a different state, so they crave it way more than the average person does. And I think people who don't have that addiction problem really don't understand it because it's, it's, they just don't have that feeling each day of being compelled to do something. Or they look right, at, and or that's they, what I was saying right. with the not being able to. Re- I can relate as as a human nature, like human being, right. you know. But not, I don't, I can't relate from my my brain just functioning differently from somebody right. else that does stronger facet of that. No and then I think it's confusing. They're thinking that their addictions are not addictions compared to someone else. They look at the extreme addictions like drugs, sex, or things like or food, and see that oh, those are addictions. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. But. Mike and I talk about this. There's, there's that thirst, like social media. Those people that can constantly, they go to the gym, they have to post that selfie, so they're addicted to the attention. <laughs> yeah. You know, like look at me, I'm at the gym working out and taking the selfie all the time. Narcissism or, is know, their addiction. Yeah, you know exactly. So that's another addiction right there. But they don't want to think like, well, it's not like a drug addiction. Yes, it is. Because like go, go a whole week without taking a selfie. That's and what see I what happens like and that. see how that's you feel. Yeah, I was like, are, are people that are addicted to working out? I go, take a week exactly. from work. Like, I'm taking a week off right now from training because my body was just beat up. I go, I need a week off. It's been I have great, no man. I'm, yeah. I'm totally getting restored now. I can't wait to jump in later this week. But I know people that are totally beat up, I totally under-recovered. Under and even then, they, they, they're they like, well, I'll take a week off, but I'm still going to do this. I'm still going to do that. I'm like, no, that's not a week off. You need a week off <laughs> yeah. as well. It means no working out whatsoever. You want to go walk your dogs? Fine. You want to stay active? No big deal. But you're not going to a gym. You're not picking up weights. You're not going sprinting. If anything, make that week a real recovery week. Go get a massage. Go to a, a spa. Get some yoga. Go get a yeah, exactly. like yoga, to tai chi, etc. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, I mean, it's the whole thing I'll try to say to people too that are like that. I'm like, you, you, you don't get strong in the gym. You know, like exactly. you, you do, and then you, your, your rest and your recovery and your rebuild is where you're getting strong. But you know, that's not hardcore. If sleep is not hardcore, though, you know, I got to be working hard in my sleep. I'm like, come on, dude. <laughs> well, <some laughs> workout is the payoff. Right? Exactly. They don't, they don't care if they're getting stronger. They don't care if they're getting bigger. They don't care if they're getting results because the payoff is the stimulus of working out. Yeah, at least I did it. At least I did yeah. it. There are people. There are <laughs> people sitting on their asses all day, and at least yeah, exactly. I go to the gym. I'm dedicated. Like, shut well, it's also hell. a place. And where I, I'll, I'll acknowledge that. Like, yeah. I mean, there's. Yeah. If, if I'm going through something and, and it's like, all right, there's a lot more unhealthy ways I could be using to deal with whatever's going on in my brain. But you know what? I'm going to work out twice a day. And I acknowledge I'm overtrained. I acknowledge I'm not getting stronger right now. But mm-hmm. being in the gym twice a day is helping my brain function better. And it's still giving me a dopamine rush to not be depressed or sitting on the couch right. or feeling self about whatever I'm going on. So it, yes, I'll acknowledge that but it's not a general way of life you know right yeah. well that, that's a good point too because there are there, those are payoffs that are worth that that you don't want to diminish but i think when someone does it indefinitely i mean they've been working out hard and they're just getting unhealthier and unhealthier and unhealthier their hormones are a total wreck now that's when there's a problem there because i mean if you for me it's all about strength so if i'm not getting stronger i'm not getting results then I know I need to dial things back. Exactly. It's like, and, gotta, and I've been through periods like what you're talking about too, Amy, where you just you want to get the workouts in because you got some personal life stuff going on or whatever it is where you just feel better after that, and that's fine. That's great. But then there's people where 
it's it's all it's all consuming. They want to be in the gym for as long as possible. If they're if they're not in the gym, they're taking pictures of themselves in the <laughs> gym, you know, to post. And then everything is revolving around this whole thing to the point where it, it's counterproductive. It's like your life is totally imbalanced. So it's an addiction. I mean, they, they probably can't drive by a gym without thinking about working the thirst, out. Maybe I man, the thirst. Right <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's like a gambler going to the Las Vegas. They they can't drive by a casino without having that compelling feeling to just pull in and go play cards. Now I love playing cards. I play blackjack, but but I can take it or leave it too. I mean, there's, I've been through periods where I'll play every night for a week and then I won't play for six months. But I can drive by any casino at any time, and, you know, and not be compelled to pull in and play. Now, what's funny, there's someone listening right now like, well, I'm not that hardcore by my workout. I'm not like I'm not addicted to any drugs, but they can probably tell you that they're a hardcore reality show junkie and they will sit there and watch marathons of Real Housewives or whatever bullshit neighborhood is out there this week. (laughs) And they will watch those marathons on a Saturday or Sunday or something like that. And they just they're addicted to that. They're addicted to the drama of other people's lives. So they're Come on, sister. You could admit it. Start naming off some of the shows you watch. Dude, I cannot. <laughs> I cannot name any of those. As soon as I hear Real Housewives, I'm like, first of all, they're not even Real Housewives. Just stop it. Okay, <laughs> just stop it. Okay. Because a real housewife doesn't have time for you to have cameras in her house. She's like, look, this house is a mess. You can't sit here and film every damn thing. It's and these kids stuff. are getting on my damn nerves. So no, you can't film this because CPS will probably come in and take these kids when I get through spanking them for all the things <laughs> they're doing right now. So I don't need you documenting what's about to happen here right now. So that's what a real housewife wife is probably like that's that's not your advice (laughs) no i'm not saying spank those kids woman no (laughs) (laughs) now how did how did how did you get into i mean obviously you 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 had to work out hard when you were a wrestler but was strength training being stronger was that something you were in long before you got into wrestling no um that i mean so that's okay as far as there not being internet and not just knowing how to become a wrestler at at that time as soon as i started watching it and going okay like, I don't know where a wrestling school is. I don't know how these people got this job, but I, it looks like a cool job to me. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, obviously their moves are based in some sort of martial art. That can't hurt. So that's when I, you know, kind of um, started taking more martial arts. And then I was like, they're obviously in good physical condition. So I'm going to hit the gym. These are two things that I can do without having like the secret password to get inside the society <laughs> right. wrestling. And from there, I'll start seeking out how to find the password, but I'm going to start in on these things. So I got a, a trainer and, and hit the gym um, just from wanting to to develop as a wrestler. I mean, I was always like active, but not but never was like in the gym. That just wasn't what I grew right. up with. Right. Um, and so then then I got got into that. And then it wasn't until after I retired after I retired. I, I stopped working out completely. I was like, I'm never going to work out again ever because I had to for my job. I'm going to do whatever I want. And, and then I like started to not feel so great and gained probably 15 pounds. And I was like, okay, that was a bad plan. So <laughs> how about like, don't do that. And then I, uh, then I started working out again, but it was so great. It was just from like a completely different angle. Like it was just purely for enjoyment and for being strong and feeling good as opposed to like, crap, I've got a photo shoot and like, oh, like I've got it. I've got all these shows that I've got to be in front of people in a half shirt. So I need to work out. It was just like, no, like I want to work out because it's fun and it feels good and I like it and I like being strong. And so now now working out from that perspective is just it's so rewarding and I'm just so much healthier and so much like 
remember a friend asked me, she's like, oh, can I take pictures for like for photo? Like she's like a photo student or something. I was like, yeah, sure. What do you like? Give me a couple days or like tell, you know, tell me when she's like, oh, can we do it in two days? I was like, yeah, that's fine. And just being able to do a photo shoot, just like, like, yeah, I'm not like ripped, but I'm like, that's fine. We thinking before about being, you know, like, okay, we're going to need you to do this photo shoot. I'm in WWE. I'm a job, my job, I'm a professional athlete. So I should be like the picture of health. But then to, to take that photo shoot, I am eating stackers. I'm right. like, sh- I drink it. Like I'm sh- having taken diuretics so that right. I can like be ready like that morning. And I'm just like, Oh my God, I can't wait till like we're done taking this photo so I can have like a glass of water and a freaking banana, you know, like, <laughs> but like, so like, okay, so what, that's so unhealthy, like not cool, not how like you want to represent like being a professional athlete or being healthy. And then now just being like gen, like a generally healthy person and way just like a way better approach to, to hap- I happen to still look decent, but that has, but what's more important is that like, I'm strong and I feel great. Exactly. And that's, what's really important. So how did you, um, how did you end up turning toward kettlebells and incorporating that in your training as well? So w- when we had to work out for, for WWE, it was basically what well, it turned into, I think you could maybe use the internet, but it, you would pull into a gas station and get a freaking phone book and look, like find the goals gym. You know, mm-hmm. so that that and was was how you would have to go find it. Or I, I actually even back then I would use the arena. You know, I'd go and I'd go. You know, I'd run to the top of the stairs in the arena. I'd do pushups at the top. I'd run to the bottom. Right. I'd do squats at the bottom. You know, which is actually not, which is still closer to actually more what I would do now as opposed to when I would go to the golds and and mm-hmm. and isolate and do more bodybuilder style workout to have like mm-hmm. my fluffy muscles that I needed for TV. But um, <laughs> right. <laughs> So I, when I got back in, I got back into like a boot camp circuit and I'd never worked out with people before. And I really liked that. Um, I, I didn't know that I liked that. It was encouraging and it was fun to have accountability and people around. And, um, then it got cold and I just, I hate being cold. So a friend was a kettlebell instructor, <laughs> kettlebell gym. And was like, Oh, well, you should come here for the winter. You know, we have kettlebells here. And I was like, well, I'll come for the winter, but uh, you know, I, I'm going to be outside. That's my thing. That's what I do. And, you know, and that was probably five, five years ago, you know, and I'm, I still teach there and I'm still there and, and I still work out outside, but I'll go grab a bell and take it with me to the park. Perfect. Oh, that's pretty cool. You actually teach there too. Which gym is this? Is it Delane's? Yeah, it's Delane's. Oh. It's called oh, okay. Gym Condition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, I think we're at the hour mark, so we should wrap this thing up, but Amy, pleasure having you on. Really great, yeah, a lot of fun, a lot of awesome fun. conversation, and we'll and definitely let's plug her. Let's let's plug. You have a foundation as well, right, Amy? Okay, cool. Um, the Adore. Uh, yeah, I do. I created that. It's a um, animal welfare organization, and um, everything's through my website, theamyduma.com. And what what I mainly did always with the is it's not a, a people get confused. It's like an actual shelter. Is I'll find causes, and it's usually for things like spay neuter certificates, and then just raise money and then give it to a shelter to be able to perform spay neuter or or things like that. It, but it's all, it's all different. It's just something that I find um, a goal for, and then just donate to to that actual so they can complete a task. Okay, great. Also, is your band on tour right now? No, um, we Lucha Gores is, is done. I'm not doing anything musically right now. We did three mm, U.S. Okay. tours, three European tours, and it was just kind of one of those things that I wanted to see what it was like. I played in bands before. I, I lived in D.C. as well, 
and and, uh, played in bands before, but it was never like in a full-time touring band. So it was just something I wanted to do and see what happened. And so I did, and I saw what happened. And our our last tour, we lost a bunch of money. And I was like, okay, so that's that's cool. That's what happened. (laughs) That's what's happened to me sometimes with some of these international courses, teaching kettlebells. I'm like, yeah, that was a great trip. I lost money, but that was a great trip. So now we're going to have to take a look at how to reevaluate some of these different courses to make sure I'm actually making money instead of flying around the world and not making money. Right. Sure, but I always say is like a good experience or, or bad experience is almost as good as a good experience because it's just about new life experiences and, and learning stuff and, and you know taking more things in. As much I'm just like a sponge. I just want to that, keep, keep that in mind, sincere. If you're ever arrested and out of BC is your roommate. Uh, in the no, there's one experience <laughs> that's one experience I'm gonna pass on right there. Yeah, there's, there's a couple experiences I can think of that I really want to pass on. You know? <laughs> oh. I can go my whole life without finding that experience. My fault. So what's next for you, Amy? What are you working on now? Uh, I'm doing actually a bunch of appearances this this year, and I've also hooked up with some people about being on some speaking tours with Vegan Strength and Training and wrote in with a, a book with my friend, Scott, for the um, who's doing the all the proceeds uh, are donated to Mercy for Animals. Just about vegan strength training, just because um, I feel like if I never had any more attention focused on me, I've had enough for a lifetime. But <laughs> but I've enjoyed what I've found that I've enjoyed through kettlebell teaching is I just love making people like feel great and and it's just like a lot more attainable than I feel like people get overwhelmed with their daily life. And if there's things I could do to to help like kind of break it down for people and make it easier and help them feel stronger and better and cooler, then that's awesome. Sounds great. Sounds like cool stuff. And yes, shout out to Scott Shetler for letting yeah. for he's the one who introduced us to you. So Scott's a great guy. He's been on our show. Mm-hmm. And that was a great project that he put together as well. So I'm glad to see you were part of that. Yeah, it was cool that he did it. He like had a goal and saw it through. I love it. Absolutely. Perfect. Sounds good. Well, thanks again, Amy. Real pleasure talking to you. Really appreciate it. Yeah, you guys too. Take care. All right. Bye. But uh, yeah, that was great having Amy on, man. That was cool. What what's her what's her website actually? We didn't get her personal Um, website. Yes, Amy Dumas, or for those who see it, they read it like they see it, Amy Dumas. (laughs) <laughs> dot com. So yes, Amy Dumas. Just don't, just don't say amydumbass.com. Yeah, because uh, you well. might get a hurricane or <laughs> yeah. or a twist of fate yeah. you know, put on you from that. <laughs> so if you don't know what those moves are, just, just go on YouTube and pull that up. <laughs> Lita, twist of fate, and then ask yourself, do I really want to call say her name incorrectly like that? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I believe, yeah, it's um, Amy Dumas, A-M-Y-D-U-M-A-S dot com. And um, all that information is there. And you can find it on Twitter and pretty much. Oh, I take that back. It's theamydumont.com. Okay. There, there it is. Don't leave out the. So there you go. Or just like say, just Google her. You'll find all her information right there, man. She's all over the place. Yeah, cool lady. And very, very interesting lady. Very intelligent. I like, what, I like the philosophical side of her as well. Really cool having her on the show. So maybe we'll get her back down the road and see what else she's up to. Exactly. But, folks, in the meantime, speaking about getting into stuff that you should be wanting to get into you want to get into our course before it sells out because we only have eight spots left and the price will go up on may 1st assuming there's any spots left so email mike at llapodcast.com or sincere at llapodcast.com and get us i mean get signed up for the course by just saying you want in we'll send you the link you get signed up you're all set 32 mm-hmm. people have already signed up from all over the world. Of course, it's going to be a blast. I mean, it's going to be so much fun. 
I mean, people have already been people that have signed up are going, man, I wish September were right now. And yeah. a lot of the, the instructors are feeling the same way. Like, <laughs> right. Ken was just out here a couple of weeks ago. I was like, I can't wait to come back to, to work with you guys in Vegas. Sincere, you were here earlier this year. and But I yeah. think this is going to be a much better trip <laughs> than, that, than, that, than that trip you than had. Than the Rio experience. <laughs> yeah, than the Rio experience. Oh, speaking of which, maybe I'll get a group discount for everyone at the Rio. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be the luxury casino that I pick in mind. I think it's either going to be the Rio or Circus Circus, folks. It's going to be a coin toss. <laughs> it's going to be a coin toss. Treasure Island, if I'm feeling really generous about. Or Excalibur. You guys the best. <laughs> Excalibur. <yeah. laughs> And, and and no, Caleb, we're not going to have the group dinner at Dick's Last Resort, okay? But yeah, that, explain, one, that one's not that at the one. top of the list. Yeah, explain <laughs> that, please. Yeah, I don't even know what it is. One of our students, a guy named Caleb, said, hey, man, I, I, I took a bunch of friends to a place called Dick's Last Resort at Excalibur. I think it would be great for the group dinner for the course. I was like, I don't know, Caleb. I don't, I don't really think I want to take anyone to a place called Dick's Last Resort. I think the name <laughs> says it all. Yeah, <laughs> and I don't want to take anyone to the Excalibur, period. Because <laughs> it's, not, it's worth missing. You know, so, you know something's like life or worth going after some things are worth missing and the Excalibur is one of those things you, you can come you you can come to Vegas every weekend for the next five years and and never go to the Excalibur and you wouldn't have missed out on a thing <laughs> you know so there you go folks hit us up with that email get that link get signed up see you in September let's have fun that weekend it's gonna be the best two days if you're smart maybe three four five who knows how many days I, I would say make an entire experience out of it make a vacation out of it man bring your family not to the course but bring them to vegas and you know so after you to train you know we're finished training those couple of days you can hang out and just like i said just enjoy vegas man so it's gonna be fun man it's gonna be a killer time and in the right. meantime make sure you use coupon code lla to get 10 percent off any of my nutrition supplements my testosterone booster restores on get rid of those aches and pains recovery oil give you some deep sleep Get that restoration in or any of my videos, my T-shirts, basically the whole shebang and just about everything on my website. And you also get the hookup with Sincere. What can they get with you, man? So, yeah, hop over to my site. Use the same coupon code LLA. Go to NewWarriorTraining.com and you'll get 30% off of the physical or digital copy of my bodyweight training DVD. So you can train anywhere, anytime. You can do all those things Lita was talking about inside the arena, but you can do that with the moves that I show you on the DVD. So, <laughs> or you can go outside. That's a good segue. <laughs> or you can go outside, just like Lita said. She likes to train outside. These exercises were designed just for that. Uh, otherwise, you can also use that same coupon code and get 30% off of my weight management one-on-one course. And there you have more control over what goes in your body, how your body operates. You understand how it all works out, how to put a plan together, and then you'll be a more educated consumer and take control of your health and not just hand it over to someone else. So, again, use that coupon code and you get 30% off of those two things, all right? All, all right, right, folks. Thanks again. We'll see you next week. Take care, folks. 